Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Are y'all happy to be in the house of the Lord yes. this morning? Yes. Amen. Yes. You know what? It's awesome when you can come together with people of like-minded faith. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. We can get some things done. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Well, my name is Cindy, and I serve on staff here at Life Family Church, and we would just like to welcome any of our newcomers. If this is your first time here, you should have received a welcome packet when you came in. Inside that is an information card. If you'll take just a couple of moments and fill that out, and then drop it by the Source Center on your way out, because we have a gift we'd like to give you. Okay, if you were in the newcomers class this morning, would you please stand? If you were in the newcomers class, look at that, (laughs) woohoo! We just would like to give you a very warm welcome and a big family hug, newcomer, uh, new members. Praise the Lord, God is good. (laughs) Yes, or high five. (laughs) Or high five, that's right. All right, so um, Saturday, March 3rd, uh, it's just a couple of weeks, we have our Marksmanship Day um, out at Windy Pines Ranch, and um, Floyd and I look forward to this every year. We have everybody come out, and um, everybody brings their guns and their ammo, (laughs) and we have um, target practices set up. Um, It's all done. Safety is first uh, protocol there, so um, safety comes first, but we have so much fun with this every year. We set up targets, we um, divide into teams, we have games, and it's just a blast, literally. (laughs) So we would love to have you come join us, Um, but you'll have to sign up in the Source Center. Um, We're going to be serving breakfast. We're going to be serving breakfast at 8.30 in the morning. Um, if you don't want to come out there that early, that's okay. You can be there at 9.30 and go ahead and check in. for the. You'll be there in time for the games and everything. So breakfast at 8.30. The games start at about 9.30. Okay, we hope to see you there. Don't forget to sign up at the Source Center. Um, also in March, you are invited to sit in on a free live Christian university class. What an honor, what a privilege, and what a priceless value to be able to sit in on one of these classes for free. I'm telling you, it will build your faith, and you will not be the same. If you've been considering um, coming to Life Christian University, this is a great way to come and to see what it's all about. So don't forget, the sign-ups are in the Source Center, um, and that starts the first Tuesday of March. Okay? Okay. Also, on Tuesdays this month, uh, when we don't have LCU, we have Connect Groups. And those start, the doors open at 6 o'clock. If y'all haven't been to one, you are missing out. Let me tell you, they have been so good. Uh, we come and we share about what God is doing in our th- and through our lives. People share their testimonies. We leave there encouraged. We build one another up. And we just get to know each other. So come on out. Tuesdays at 6 o'clock is Connect Group. You can bring a dish to share. Uh, bring some tacos, some burgers, or don't bring anything. It's okay. Um, there's always plenty of food there. Just come and join us. 
Also, um, Saturdays um, at 1045, we're going to have soul winning. We meet here to go out onto the streets of the community and share the gospel, share the good news. People in Plant City are hurting. And how are they going to know unless we go? And so we go and we knock on doors and we share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. Only eternity will tell the effect of that. Don't, don't ever underestimate the power of the gospel. And don't ever um, overestimate the idea that everybody's heard it. Because not everybody right. has. So there are people sitting in darkness out there that need to hear the good news. Amen? Amen. Amen. Saturdays, 1045. So uh, we don't do church bulletins here. We do the email connection. Um, if you don't have the email connection, please get with myself or Chrissy or Andrew after the service. And we'll be happy to help you with that. Um, also, you can check our website, lifefamilychurch.net, and our ministry Facebook pages to see everything and anything that's going on. All right, y'all ready for the word today? Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's good. Thank you. So, Pastor sends his love. He'll be with us tonight. So, I want for the offering message this morning, I heard three really great testimonies in Connect Group, uh, and I wanted them to share with you. It's so good to hear, um, you know, as a family, what God is doing through our lives, right, on an individual basis, because we're one body. And one of the things of the prophecy this year um, was that we would be a tighter knit church family. And so uh, something I'm doing is, is, is attempting to connect, desiring to help you all connect better to each other. So it's not just the word working in us, but we want to hear from each other the word working through us, because that's what really excites uh, the other family members when they see God working through you. Yes, that's very encouraging. So you all had some good testimonies. Amen. So... Um the Lord has really highlighted to me Matthew sixteen nineteen, and that's where Jesus, uh, it's a, script, a passage of scripture where he's asking Peter, who do men say that I am? Or he's asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And then Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And then Jesus said to him, you, you've answered correctly, and my Father revealed that to you. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father revealed that to you. And do you know, right after he said that, in Matthew sixteen nineteen, he said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I'm giving them to you. In other words, yes, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the door through which people come through for salvation. But now I'm giving you the keys. Here, take them. And so what it does is Jesus is the door. So if someone is sitting in darkness and they are lost, we can open up yeah. that door for them with the key of John 3.16. Amen? Amen? Amen. If someone is sitting with infirmity in their body and they're lame um, and they can't walk, we can open up that key through faith in 1 Peter 2.24. Amen? Amen? We can open up that door for them. If someone is bound in prison by Satan on drugs, addiction, whatever, we can open up that key for them. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so um, this past Monday, I was at Walmart, and I was running some errands and things, and um, very, I get very task-oriented sometimes, and I'm just about, I want to get my list done. And so I was um, heading into Walmart, and a gentleman stopped me. He couldn't have been more than 22 or 23 years old. And he said, um, do you have $2 for Taco Bell? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't carry cash. And I just kept walking, you know, to the, to the door. And um, before I get in the door, um, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, he's hungry. 
And so I turned and I looked back. I didn't see him anywhere. I just kept walking toward the carts. And again, the Lord said to me, he's hungry. And so I was like, okay, Lord. So I turned, went back out the door, and I'm looking for him, and he's standing right up front there by the building. And so I go over to him, and I said, excuse me, sir. I said, if you'll stay right here, I said, I will drive over to Taco Bell. I will get you a meal, and I will come back. If you promise me, you'll stay right here. He said, yes, ma'am, I will, I will. And so then I, I had the opportunity to witness to him. I said, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? Oh, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I said, if you were to die today, do you know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you'd go to heaven? Well, only God knows that. And I said, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're a whosoever, right? And he said, yes. And I said, say this prayer with me. And so he says the prayer with me. And we get to the part of the prayer where it says, Jesus, wash me and cleanse me and set me free. And right then, the Holy Spirit just uh, prompted me in my heart to have him repeat that. Jesus, set me free. Jesus, set me free. Now, you could tell he was kind of strung out on something. And he he stunk really bad. Um, His clothes were... He just... He needed Jesus. And 22, 23 years old, he's strung out on something. He's, up, he's out there acting like he's throwing basketballs and stuff. And uh, so, but when we got to the part with Jesus set me free, he stopped. And he looked at me. And you could tell that the word of the Lord had penetrated his heart. And so his name is Quran. So I believe with all my, or he said that was his name, but anyway, I've been praying for him, and I believe with all my heart that Jesus did set him free, and that he is, his life is going to be restored. Amen? Amen. 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 Um, well, one day I was at school, and after school I decided I wanted to get some gas, and before I had to go to work, um, and there was a gas station right by my school, so I went in there and got some gas, and after I had filled my tank up, I got back inside my car. And I was sitting there for a minute. Sometimes I'll get on Instagram and wait till I drive off. Um, and God told me, he was like, I saw a lady walking in to go get gas for her car. And the Lord said, pay for her gas. And I was like, Lord, you know, I've got to go to work now. You know, I've already <laughs> filled my tank up. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to work. Maybe we could do this another time. I'm have more time for it. Um, and kind of like try to talk it down. And then it came back up again in my spirit. Pay for her gas. So I was like, okay, okay. So I got out of my car, and I caught her right before she went in the door. And I was like, ma'am, ma'am, uh, can I pay for your gas? Is that okay? And she looked at me, and she was like, uh, sure, you can pay for my gas. So I walked over there to her, and I was like, all right, well, fill your tank up as much as you need. Um, and I'll just I'll wait for you to get finished. She just sat there and looked at me for a little bit. And um, she was like, what, what makes you want to do this? And so I looked at her, and I asked her, I was like, well, has anyone ever told you that Jesus loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life? Instantly, tears just poured out, and she just started bawling. And she looked at me, she goes, I've heard that before. She's like, I've actually been praying that God would send someone to encourage me today. And I looked at her, and I said, well, I just want to let you know that he loves you. He has a wonderful plan for life. And if you would like to rededicate your life today, just say this with me. And she said the salvation prayer with me. Um, and long story short, she had had some issues with her um, husband. They were going through a divorce, and she didn't have enough money to get gas. She didn't have enough money for groceries for her kids and everything like that. So the fact that I had stopped and I listened to the word of God and I spoke to her, it just changed her life. She, mm-hmm. You could just see the, that God just fell 
right there at that gas station. Um, once I got back in my car, I was like, okay, God, I feel so much better now. I could go out about my day. I was so happy. I was like, I'm so glad that, number one, I heard from God, and number two, I was able to help someone, lead them to the Lord, and also bless them at the same time. It was, it was amazing. Okay, so like Miss Cindy was saying, I get very task-oriented as well. And being an introvert myself, I look forward to when I get home at the end of the day after being around people all day. So, um, but I have purposed in my heart these last few weeks that, you know, I was like, sometimes I get so busy that even if the Lord did want me to um, do something for him, I'd be so busy that I wouldn't, you know, stop to do it. So I'd be like, okay, I got to go here. I got to go there. And then I'll be home by such and such time. And I look forward to that time, you know, have my whole day mapped out. But the Lord's been um, working on my heart about that because um, recently we were talking about, you know, the move of God and the miracles and signs and wonders of the Lord are suddenlies. So you can't have everything so planned out to where you know, you're not open to let the Lord use us. So he's just kind of been working on me in that area. So the other day I was at an assisted living facility um, seeing a couple of patients. And on my way out, I had seen them and I had the opportunity to pray with them. So, you know, I was like, oh, yay, kind of like Lexia's. I'm like, got to lead some people to the Lord and and was feeling good. Well, then I walked out to my, I was walking to my car and I saw this little man sitting over here. And um, I had seen him on my way in too and kind of had a tug on my heart. So on my way out, I saw him, and I was just kind of going to keep walking, and then I stopped, and I looked at him again. Then I kept walking, and I stopped and looked at him again. I was like, okay, this is going to look really weird if I don't just, like, go talk to him at this point because he's staring at me. (laughs) So I was like, okay. So I go over there, and I talk to him for, like, 10 or 15 minutes just about the weather and about other things. And then then I asked him, you know, um, has anyone told you that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? And he was like, yes. And I said, well, if anything were to happen, do you know for sure that you'll go to heaven one day? And he said, I sure hope so. So I said, well, today, would you like to know so for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt? And so then I was able to witness to him and prayed with him, prayed for his eyes and just prayed for him to have comfort, you know, and strength and stuff. Because a lot of people are hurting and lonely and we walk by people all the time every day that just a kind word because it's not always necessarily stopping and praying for people but it's just showing the love of God with kindness with a smile with a compliment you know so I just encourage everybody to take time each day to allow Lord the Lord to work in and through you because that's what he wants to do because we're Jesus here on earth right now he's no longer here in the flesh but in us he is so just do that sometime (laughs) (laughs) amen thank you yeah you know, at Walmart, gas station, at work, right? This is how we win at, at everyday life. How many of you would be honest and raise your hand and say you have a difficulty not paying attention to your task list? Yeah. Uh, and so that would be at least half of us. And, you know, the other side of the coin, it's important to know who you are and know who you're not. If you're so busy talking to everybody, your list doesn't get done. Okay. <laughs> And so it, neither is necessarily better or worse. It's just know which side of the, the coin you're on. And so uh, when Miss Cindy was in Connect Group two Thursdays before the end of the year, uh, she said something that the Lord had uh, spoken to her. He said, make time to be out there on your calendar. And it really struck me in my soul. And it was almost like God was talking to me because I understand the language of a day planner. And so he's saying, 
pencil people in your day planner and you won't have this struggle. Okay, here's your task list. Now allow an extra 15 minutes. This is what I've learned to do is I allow an extra 15 minutes if I'm going anywhere, usually 34. I didn't expect that. So I had 30 minutes early because my dad taught me that being early was uh, a responsibility and that it was so that you could be ready to ask somebody else if they needed help first, especially if we were going to church. We were never on time. We were always early. And if you were late, I, we were taught it was rude because you were thought you were more important than everybody else. So the Lord was reminding me just to get, go ahead and schedule that in my calendar. So if I have to go to Walmart, which is my least favorite place on the planet to go to, um, you know, allow extra time between that and my next activity even if it's Taco Bell, drive-through, um, for time to talk to people because I'm very introverted. Now, if I'm with my dad, uh, he knows no stranger. It doesn't matter where you take him. We can be in Plant City. We can be in South Tampa at a restaurant. There's no place with both my father or my husband that people don't know them or people are not ringing their phone. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to throw that in the toilet. <laughs> Because they have no problem talking to people, okay? But my husband, give him a list, and he leaves the list at home, so it's not real helpful. <laughs> but uh, all of us just uh, making more time. And it was interesting about why Cindy said that. I note the time in the year it was. It was two weeks before the end of the year. So she did not know that the Lord would be speaking through Copeland and many ministers prophesying specifically that he would honor those who would be out there on the streets taking that time and almost use the exact same vocabulary in his prophecy to be out there. In other words, just being very others focused, very kingdom focused, and that we could not just sit in here and pray for souls anymore, that we needed to go out there. So it encourages me when I hear just every, uh, the body of Christ just living an everyday life like that, just making that out there time. And so I've made more of an effort to do that. I, w- I want to say that I haven't succeeded uh, every every juncture. I've chickened out a few times. You know, a few times I've succeeded. One time I almost sat on the floor and cried in an apartment store. And I'm not given to crying, definitely not in public. Um, but there was a lady that, that needed prayer. And uh, she was physically almost like the woman that had been bowed over for 18 years. And I was in a department store. Um, shopping and I saw her and the Lord told me, said, go pray for her. And I, I did not, I chickened out. And then, like you said, I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going to look for her. I couldn't find her. I basically almost sat down on the floor and cried. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, give me another chance. And so I had another chance in a different store. There was another woman who clearly had a physical infirmity, and I did ask her if I could pray for her. And so very rarely do people say no, but I, I understand that, you know, sometimes it's awkward on our flesh. We're introverted or we're task-oriented or we just mow over the person in front of us with our cart because we literally did not even see them. <laughs> But um, it means a lot to our Heavenly Father, and that's the way it'll get done. Amen? That's encouraging. So uh, I want to reiterate, too, Pastor uh, has said he's going to start preaching on this subject, growing up spiritually, this year, because um, all the prophecy that came forth was so much and so different and deep and rich this year um, that he's going to take all the parts of the prophecies and just preach on them all year. Well, the main theme was that the Lord had asked us to grow up, that those of us that were saved, um, to stop being babies and start taking care of the babies that are coming into the body and disciple them. So this book was uh, Brother Hagen, and thank you, April and Jeff. They gave us a whole lot of these. So the helps team received these as a gift from Pastor um, for their service, but this is available in the bookstore. It is free with any other purchase. So I just encourage you to get a hold of that because it's very important, whatever the pastor says is the vision for the church, that as a body we're in unity and that we just don't take it lightly, that we connect, we hook up, we purposely uh, plug in so that he's, he's not dragging us. 
and that we're keeping pace um, because the train's moving on whether we jump on or not, but it's God's will that we all come along, so you may want to pick this up. And also, uh, Miss Cindy mentioned the March class. And I usually don't talk a whole lot about the LCU classes, but we just finished Blood Covenant. And if you don't know about your Blood Covenant, you're not going to succeed as a Christian. So I would say if there's only one thing you ever learn, you need to learn your Blood Covenant. But if there's a second thing you would learn after that, it would be submission and authority. And so John Bevere's book, Undercover, is excellent. And uh, I think this one came out of our bookstore. We have one. But the students get this. But you can get it on Amazon or something. And in most of my time in ministry, which has been very brief, only maybe a quarter of a century, uh, I have almost never run across a human being in or outside the church that has ever been taught on the subject of submission authority. And those that have really wrong, <laughs> really erroneously. Um, so the, the key to this in your life is um, after the blood, it's the thing that Satan deters you from the most. So um, humanism, which means you can be your own God, is Satan's theme. So he's the author of rebellion. So you will never know how to walk in authority, the believer's authority, if you do not know how to walk in submission to the Lord and to the word. So this is your second most powerful weapon. Uh, He who knows how to obey will know how to command. He who knows how to follow will know how to lead. So people want to go to seminars on leadership and and they want to go to uh, seminars on, on authority and how to walk in my authority, but nobody would sign up if I offered the class and called it followership. They wouldn't sign up. It's actually called leadership, but the L word's not in the Bible. Jesus said, follow me. So it's about followership. And he gives, he, doesn't give, he gives instructions on obedience, and he honors obedience. So if you want to know how to command, learn how to obey. If you want to know how to lead, just learn how to follow. Uh, leadership and commanding are byproducts of the other two things. And so if we understand how to access uh, the root, there's some things we don't even have to pursue because they're going to be automatic. So I would encourage you, um, and we often don't open up a second-year class uh, for free to anybody. It's usually program one you can sit in, but pastor thought that was really important so that you, you know how to both exercise authority, but you know how to walk in submission so that uh, your prayers and your faith are not hindered because it's a serious weapon in these last days. Amen? Amen. All right. So uh, as we get ready to receive uh, the offering, we're going to do our confessions. And so pastor said, throw a little extra in it if you can, because he's having to spend between four and $5,000 on some fencing <laughs> um, in the back and on the side there. People have just all of a sudden thought that that was one giant dumpster over there. So fence is going to re-educate the community. So <laughs> we have to put up some of that. So throw a little extra in and we'll get that fence paid for. Miss... Uh, Lexi, do we, or Chrissy, do we have this up on the screen? Okay. So uh, I thought we would say our confessions. How many of you do not have a confessions list that you've been saying every day? If you want to raise your hand, uh, we can get that to you because these are the confessions, and you should be writing your own. The pastors ask the church as a body every day, take five minutes and read your confessions in the morning or before bed, and just uh, you're going to see your life move uh, not only faster but in the right direction with those rather than without those. So we put them up on the screen. I shouldn't say we, I mean them. (laughs) So that we could say them together out loud. Um, So as you're uh, writing your checks for the offering, let's say these out loud together. I I declare in 2019 a year of the abundant harvest of souls, of the impossible becoming possible. Acceleration of goodness and favor for those who will walk pure and holy. Selflessness, tighter-knit church family. 
clarity of your voice, stronger in areas of weakness, many set free from demons and bondages. The joy will be made manifest in a greater degree. Things will click. Easy, peace like fresh rain. A river that flows, I will know what to do when I need to do it. I will know what to say when I need to say it. Provision and strategic strategies, no waste, unprecedented focus. I decree in 2019 the supernatural will be in greater manifestation in and through my life than ever before. Salvations of lost loved ones and the return to church of those that have strayed. The nine gifts of the Spirit will operate not just when I am in church, but in and through in daily occurrences. I will be guided by the unseen hand of heaven in all I say and do. Protection and provision, two steps ahead of the enemy. Everything I do, I step into a new dimension. Easy, no stress. Things will click as I apply the word, favor, and goodness. The key to my prosperity in 2019 will be by the word of the Lord to me in my hiding prayer place. I will read the word and pray in a greater measure in 2019. Unexpected sources of supply everywhere I go, provision. The gift of faith, another dimension beyond me. Others will be blessed through me. Assignments will be completed through me. No worry, anxiety, fret, or care, or burden. Just a burden for souls. Supernatural help. The nine fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control will operate in my life in greater measure. I pray in tongues daily, often during the day, a river of the word and spirit flows from my mouth. I will be a soul winner in 2019. I will hear God's voice clearly and instantly obey. Strengthen my pastor, his family, staff, and my church. I will be faithful to serve, tithe, and support the church and the kingdom of God in every way. I will love and pray for the body of Christ. I will focus and have no distractions. I will complete all my assignments this year. I will ask big that my joy will be full. I will keep my eyes and mouth on this list daily in 2019, and it will be my best year yet. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, ushers, if you'll receive the offering. It's been prophesied, obviously, in 2019 is a year of abundance, yes, right? Accelerated grace and goodness. Anybody feel like this year's going by fast? So don't try to slow it down. Uh, if God says it's accelerated, then you're all your time management is not the cure to slowing it down. You just need to go buy a new pair of running shoes. Uh, and time is, is not managed, it's steward. Um, extraordinary surprises was something that was prophesied. Extraordinary manifestations. How many of you know that prophecy is not automatic? So nothing that the Lord said is his desire to happen in the earth automatically happens for us. That's why sometimes at the end of the year, you want to smash your coffee mug with the logo on it because it didn't happen for you. <laughs> but that's because uh, prophecy is not automatic. In fact, there's nothing that God does in the earth without your participation, right? 
by his faith, I mean, by your faith through his grace, took your participation to get saved. Uh, it takes your participation to receive a miracle. So things do not happen. I know Charles Finney said, uh, God can do nothing in the earth unless a man prays, or I like to say, unless a man says. So uh, God's already done everything he's going to do, and he needs your participation. He needs your mouth, and he needs your hands and your feet, Yes. So uh, that's why it's not automatic. So uh, you can hear it, you can cheer, and you can wave your hanky and rejoice and say, I believe that. And that's the last time you participated in it till <laughs> New Year's Eve uh, the, the next year. And then you wonder, well, all those things were said, but they didn't happen to me because you forgot to have some participation in it. Signing up for the basketball team doesn't mean that you're going to be on the court, right? And so you're going to have to do some things to participate in that. But God's good and he lets us know. Uh, So you're going to need to have your confessions list. And why we give that to you is just if you want to write additional things that you need to be saying over your own life, over your finances, over your family, uh, you're going to have to accelerate your sayings. If life is moving faster, then your mouth is going to have to move faster in the right direction, not the wrong direction. Amen. So that means if you said, well, I said my sayings every day uh, last, last year, once a day. You talked for 10 hours. What'd you say the other nine? Yeah. And so again, maybe just replacing, is it, would it be wrong to say it again? Would it be wrong to drive it down the car? Lord, I know I said thank you this morning, but I thought of something else I wanted to say thank you for. Oh, and by the way, thank you that my house is paid off or my car is paid off. And maybe I thought of again at dinner. And so maybe we want to increase or double up or triple up on our sayings uh, so that our thoughts our life moves in the direction of our dominant thought, doesn't it? So we want to start ordering our thoughts with our mouth. If our thoughts are on all the negative things, what's going on with the news, let me just tell you, uh, God, he said he, de- he dealt with Pharaoh, so don't be concerned about the politicians because they, they're not even close to Pharaoh's issue. Yeah, so God will deal with all that. That's not your focus, yes? Okay, so the position you choose this year determines the provision you receive. The position that you choose to place yourself in determines the provision you receive. If I turn the shower on and get out and shut the door and let it heat up, is any water falling on me? The position I take under the water determines how much water I receive, yes? Okay. So if I want to eat breakfast, but I put my chair six feet away from the table and the breakfast food is there, the position I place myself in determines my provision. My arms aren't six feet long, not getting any breakfast. Uh, does the breakfast need to move or do I need to move? Yeah. And so the position you choose to place yourself in will determine the amount of provision you receive from heaven this year. So all the prophecies are yes and amen, and and Brother Copeland even said it like that. He said, you'll have to position yourself to receive. Aren't you glad that it's up to you? Everybody wants to be in control, right? Good news. God said you are completely in control. In other words, he's not, and neither is Satan. So don't sing that song ever again. God is in control, because he's not. That's a lie. And we we don't tell lies on God, right? Are you at 1 Timothy 4.15? Because I'm not. Give you some more time. There's no shame in using your table of contents. 1 Timothy 4.15. Practice, cultivate, and meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them 
as your ministry so that your progress may be evident to everybody. So Paul is talking to Timothy about how Timothy should be living his everyday life. And we hear the word ministry. Oh, I'm not called a ministry. Ministry simply means to meet the need. How many of you are called to meet needs? So when you hear the word ministry in the Bible, it is not talking about fivefold. If it's talking about fivefold, it identifies it as such, and there's not a lot of verses on that. So the rest of us are included when we're speaking on the subject of meeting the need. He said, continue to do these things. Give your life to doing them. So here's the answer. What's my purpose? What's my destiny? The things in the word that God asks us to do. So if you're looking for the unknown will of God, God's not going to share that with you until you do the known will of God. It's real simple, kind of like little Johnny, clean your room up. But what do I get to do next? I'll tell you when you clean your room up. Yeah, we don't go to B until we finish A. And so and when you're in algebra class, we're going to learn week one's algebra, what, what X equals. We're not going to talk about Y until you learn X. Yeah, and so there's a sequential order to things, and we can't skip them over. So purpose and destiny is already in the word of God. It says that everyone can see your work is progressing. Uh, The thing is, as human beings, we try to hide a lot of things. We think we're hiding stuff from God. We think we're hiding things from others. And then you end up actually just self-deceived, hiding things from yourself. The funny thing is everybody everybody can see it. God, Satan, everybody. Uh, it says that your work, if what you're giving yourself to is evident to everybody. So if I give myself to five cases of Twinkies, it's going to show up. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be evident. If I give myself to, to maybe uh, going to the gym and bypassing the Twinkies, that might show up too, right? That might be evident. So if I give myself to studying uh, physics, it's probably going to come out in my vocabulary. So whatever I'm giving myself to is not only going to show up in my body, uh, it's going to show up in my eyes, the eyes of the window to my soul, and it's going to come out my mouth even if I don't want it to. It's going to be, people are going to locate you. One thing I tell uh, the staff and the interns, I had some house guests from out of state uh, the other day that were uh, perusing our library at home, our video library and our book library, and I told them, because they were Bible school students up there, and I said, if you, don't, uh, if you can't get to know somebody quick enough and you wonder whether you should be in a relationship with them and you go to their home, look at their library. It's a portrait of who they are and who they'll be because it's what they're taking in. So maybe you've seen their playlist, you've seen their Instagram, you've seen their Facebook. That's who they are, and that's who they're going to be. So make sure you want to align yourself, because what you're eating uh, in, in your video library, in the eye gate or the ear gate, or reading in books, is a portrait of your life. So it's a, a real quick ways to get to know who somebody is and where they're going. Darby translation says, occupy yourself with these things. Pay attention. Be occupied with these things. What things? The things God is doing. Not the things everybody else is doing. Not the politicians. Not, not the, some people that say they're Christians and are actually not. It, it's not okay for us to say, hey, God, I'm going to do this and would you bless it. God says, I want you to look for where I'm working and get involved there. Because God is working around us all the time. So what uh, Cindy was doing is God said, excuse me, I'm, I want to work here. Do you mind joining me? I need your help. <laughs> How many times do we go, well, God, I'm going to do this today. Bless my plan. And we make even our confessions list. But God is working all around us, and he's flagging us down like a 747 trying to get our attention. Uh, I'm, I'm working here. I'd like, I'd like to work over here. Can I get somebody to stop and help this man when 500 people already passed him? Yeah. But, but yet we are praying every day, God, use me. <laughs> and then we walk outside our house. I'm included in this sermon. Uh, and we're like, 
God's like, hello, will you do this for me? Oh, you know, we want to we negotiate. Well, God, I don't really have time to fill up this person's gas tank. Or can we do this later? As if God is uninformed about your finances, your time schedule, <laughs> anything else. And that yet he's probably sitting there wondering why we asked me to use you and then I tried and then so it's okay. Just but God loves me. Yeah, it's not a love issue though, is it? It's an obedience issue. He has to get somebody else to do that. Uh and we want it we missed out on the participation. So no distractions. Um what you look at manifests. So speaking of physics in quantum physics or some people say quantum mechanics, uh what they've done, and so you can just YouTube some of this stuff, is they put uh, under a microscope molecules, so the subatomic particles that we can't see. And what they did is some studies, and the subatomic particles would just sit there. It, they filmed it if nobody was uh, looking at them. No human was looking at them or in the room. But when one of the scientists would come in the room, and they would just walk up, and they would look at the subatomic particles under the microscope, the particles would start moving. They were standing at attention, waiting for a command. And if they would leave the room and not do anything, then they would just stop and sit there. Ever, any, ever heard of the dimension called sound? Yeah. How did God make everything? Through his mouth. So whatever you're putting your attention on is what's going to come out your mouth that's going to manifest. And so all of the earth is made up of subatomic particles and it's waiting for your voice command. So nothing's going to happen for us with anything prophesied unless it starts coming out our mouth, and not just at New Year's Eve, and not even just once a day. And then after that, after our talk, would come our walk, right? So God used me, and then when he says, hey, stop and talk, we're going to stop, and we're going to yield to that obedience, even if we're uncomfortable, even if we don't want to do it. Um, we have permitted ourselves to be overly awed with what we think and feel. Yeah, especially those of us like they're very maybe analytical or logical. You're overly awed with more how you think, very little in tune to how I feel. And then people on the other side of the coin, again, no better, no worse, know what side of the coin you're on. They're overly awed by how they feel, and they use very little thought process. Um, but we've been overly awed, and when the Bible says, uh, cast down every vain imagination, that would include every vain emotion that exalts itself against the throne of God. So any thought or feeling you have that is not in line with obedience to the word, you're authorized to dismiss it. Or we can yield to it. The more we yield to it, the more dominant our mind or body will become. Anybody enjoy being dominated by your body? Any of you enjoy being dominated by your thoughts? Now, you're authorized to dominate your mind, will, and emotions, and your, and your physical body. And the interesting thing is your body is a permanent toddler. So it's not being renewed. <laughs> and even your mind stays renewed as long as your hair stays calm. So even though you tell your body, I'm not going to eat Twinkies today, it wants one tomorrow. Yeah, it's not renewed like, okay, I'm grown up now. I won't ask for a Twinkie anymore because yeah, I know it's bad for you. No, it's just going to all, all your life, no matter how many times I've, I've, I've taken off a few pounds, I've found them again. Yeah, proof in point that my body's not being uh, regenerated and renewed. And your mind would say, well, I heard that. Faith don't come by herd. 
Yeah, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing, lest at any time we let these things slip, which means we have a propensity to let them slip. So if you need something in your life this year, if you need increased healing, you need uh, relationships repaired, you need finances, it doesn't matter what it is, the list could be endless, you're going to have to give an increased measure of study and thought to it. We only have 24 hours in a day. Time is the great equalizer. Every one of us has 24 hours in our billfold. Uh, what becomes different is what men and women do at that time. So all men are created equal, but all men do not stay equal. Some people choose to watch Netflix for six hours a day. Some people choose to read books for that six hours a day, or maybe two hours at the gym, two hours uh, stretching their mind, and maybe two hours cleaning their house. Free will, right? God gives uh, every. So you have the same hours in your billfold. It's how you choose to uh, invest them. And I would encourage you: don't waste them, don't even spend them. So ask yourself: Am I spending time? Don't spend time. Invest it. So if I invest it, that means I get a dividend of a return on it. So if this activity I'm participating in is not going to give me a return, then I don't want to do it because I don't have enough time left between 2019 and the end of the line called time that's already been set. I don't have enough time left to waste, much less spend. So I have to invest. So we want to think uh, more soberly about those things. Amen. Amen. So uh, your life is flowing in the direction of your dominant thought. So you're going to have to have more study, more meditation on that. How about your conversation? So in the morning, if I'm getting up and I'm talking to the Lord, I might have had my devotions, but does it stop there? I'm in the shower talking to the Lord. I'm uh, throwing the laundry in or driving the car, and then I'm meditating a thing, and then my conversation goes. Notice that somebody that just uh, maybe started a new workout program, they're excited. Are they talking about it? Okay, so we tell what's going on in our life by our mouth, what's getting posted on Facebook or what's going on the Instagram. So the measure of thought and study and meditation they're giving to something is coming out in their conversation. But you can, you can decide that your conversation, your thought, your meditation, your study is all about Jesus. I had somebody tell me years ago, uh, and I didn't think much about it, they said they were very frustrated with me, and they said, you just aren't capable of talking about anything but the word. And I, it was somebody who was a friend at that time, was. And um, I wasn't a, a grown up as much as I am now. And I thought, well, that's, that was a rebuke. I felt bad that I had uh, inconvenienced them because we all want to be pleasing to you. I thought, well, I'll, I'll become a little, I'm very well read and very well versed and talk to them pretty much any subject you want to. And if I can't talk, I can listen on that, which is, is almost a lost art. Um, but they were frustrated with that. And so I kind of changed that for a while because we want to be accommodating, right? But it didn't occur to me about, but the Holy Ghost, I didn't ask him. He let me go about 10 years being, like I said, overly awed with my own thought before he said to me, why was that a bad thing? Why did you take that, what they said, and not talk to me about it? Because I would have told you it would be, it's okay for you to be consumed with the word. Yeah, and so just because someone else says, hey, you don't know who the Lakers are of politics, is that going to affect your eternity? I mean, it's not wrong to know who the Lakers are, but do you, do you want me to be good at what I'm good at, or do you want me to know what you know? <laughs> the Lakers are. Benny Hinn didn't know who the Lakers were when his son asked him, and so there's a lot of things I, I don't know about, and sometimes when I'm on an airplane and I see a little 
TV show that people have been talking about, and I'll get glimpses of it because I don't have the ear thing in. I, in five minutes, I'm like, dear God in heaven, my brain hurts. That so was turning your brain cells to mush. That's the most popular show. Well, that explains a lot. Yeah, The Office, people that work and are not working and are getting paid. Lack of character, lack of integrity, and thieves. And this is the most popular show, and it's funny, I don't even get that kind of humor. And so, not, not down in the off, I'm just saying what, what everybody else says. It's like, yeah, and so I look at it and think, five minutes, no, I don't want to watch that, I don't get it. And so, um, I don't have any brain cells I can afford to dispense with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but maybe, they, maybe when, when you're young, you feel like you have a few to dispense with. I don't know. I never did. Um, so also, uh, in, in, in what we're meditating and thinking on, and you know, Sunday nights, Pastor has orchestrated a great deal uh, like this. When it shows up, when, the, when what you're believing for shows up, sometimes we don't know how to receive it. We don't know how to cooperate with it. And we don't know how to flow with it. So we're believing, and then all of a sudden we get this thing, and we don't know what to do with it. It's, it's like giving um, a 16-year-old a brand-new Camaro. They didn't earn it. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to t- properly take care of it. And so even though sometimes our faith can accomplish things on Sunday nights, pastor has the service orchestrated so that when manifestations show up, we have the opportunity to learn, A, to recognize them, B, to receive them, but that's not a good place to stop. You don't want to come to church and go, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. You know, I'm insatiable. I just want more and more and more. You're like, I want to receive that so I can learn to flow with it at Walmart, at the nursing home, at the gas station. But if you don't even recognize it and you didn't know how to receive it, they would not have been able to flow with that. So lately, uh, for, again, for the brief time I've been in ministry, a quarter of a century, uh, this question, um, is it God or is it me? Or how do we hear the voice of God? So we teach much on that, or I should say pastor speaks and teaches much on that. And I have been asking the Lord about that. Um, And again, sometimes he doesn't answer you because you don't ask, or you don't ask the right questions. But God's faithful. He'll just admit, I don't have the question. (laughs) So he'll give you the question, amazingly, and then he'll give you the answer. But you have to ask the question because it's your mouth that needs to ask it. And uh, so I said, uh, he said to me, he said, who taught you, or who taught them, that my voice was hard to hear. So I started to think back, where did I, where did I ever hear that? I, I couldn't personally recall. It's just kind of a theme. I don't remember somebody, a pastor specifically telling me that. I think I learned it from other people in the body of Christ that would tell me that was hard. He said, my voice is like no other. My voice sounds nothing like Satan's voice. My voice sounds nothing like your voice. Why would you be confused and not sure that's my voice? He said, and by the way, who are you asking that question to? He said, watch your body language. Body language is 97% of what you're saying, not your mouth. That's only 3%. So he said, this is how people ask that question. They look down and they go, is it God or is it me? Who am I asking? Me. Smart me, right? Like if I had the answer, I would have answered it 25 years ago. He said, you're not even asking me. God, is it you or is it me? He's like, no one even asks the right person when they're asking that question. (laughs) And so uh, God's voice is not difficult to hear. He's talking all the time. Why we're hearing impaired is because there's something else in our ear. But when I talk to my husband and he calls me, um, I'm not confused if it's my dad on the phone. 
because my father's voice is like no other, but so is my husband. But I am accustomed to their voice. So if you're not sure you're hearing God clearly, it's not going, I can't hear God. I just keep, need to turn up his voice, turn my voice. No, turn down everything and everyone else and take the earplug out of your ear. Take your ear bud, your pod, your whatever that thing is in your ear out. Turn the TV down, turn the radio, turn everybody else's voice down because God's not going to accommodate you and start yelling because he said he speaks in a still small voice. He speaks in a comfortable conversation tone. The moment he opened his mouth to create eternity before you were even here, he hasn't stopped talking. He's never stopped talking. So God's always talking. He's always working, but you're not listening. So God's voice is not hard to hear. It's just you got wax in your ears. You got other things in your ears. So tune all those voices out and start listening to the word. And his voice will be so normal for you to hear that when he says, stop, the man's hungry, you stop even when you don't want to, or you have gas. And so he's ordinary life. These aren't, these three people aren't ministers. This order in your life. So can a person who got born again five minutes ago hear God's voice clearly and instantly obey? Absolutely. It's actually harder as you go along because you become hearing impaired. But a new believer isn't hearing impaired yet. Someone doesn't need to deprogram them because their spirit man was just made alive and the dominant voice in your spirit man is God's voice. So if it's not the dominant voice, then, then unclutter your hearing. Get, get, get the clogged hearing out. So uh, on the day of the Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost come, came and, and filled the room and filled each one of them, uh, we see uh, they knew how to cooperate with it when it came. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus told them 10 days earlier, hey, there were 500 people at the cross. There weren't 500 people there 10 days later. He said, go and wait for the, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Do not leave Jerusalem until it comes. So 10 days later, I don't know if, if only 120 made it to the room and everybody dropped off along the way, or uh, they just dropped out of the room. Who knows? But there were only 120 there. But when the Holy Ghost showed up and they were filled, what did they do? They began to speak, and then they went out. So they knew how to receive it, and they knew how to flow with it. In other words, so when it comes, they knew how to cooperate. Oh, this is what it's for. It's to fill me, but it's to pour out on others. So it was a twofold thing. And if they knew it on the day of Pentecost, then that's the same method we're using today. You're to be filled up, to be poured out, to be filled up, to be poured out. People will sit in church and go... I'm not getting anything out of it. I think the pastor's lost his mojo. As you know what I say, no, you're Mo and you didn't bring Joe. Because it's not the pastor's mojo. But when you're full, uh, if you've just eaten a really good meal, um, you're full. You don't want any more. So if you're, if you're not pouring out, you will be full. We're all full of something. What are you full of? Yeah, it's, it's your decision. Full of, uh, full of the word. And we need to pour that out so we can receive more. Are we full of ourselves? So uh, say this. Say, I'm going to be a person in 2019 that's expecting, responding, flowing with it. So go to John 2, big John 2. So what are we talking about? The position you choose determines the provision you receive. So it's your position of obedience to the word, yes? So if we're walking in obedience to the word, then we've properly positioned ourselves. Get in the habit of telling God yes and yourself no. Let me help you with that. Um, Everybody, we believe in prosperity around here. And so if, you, if you're not caught up with that yet, you will be if you hang along around here. Because Jesus said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Amen? Amen. 
even as your soul prospers. In other words, there was a method or, or condition. And so uh, prosperity is, is uh, different to different people, what you choose to spend that on. So although I can buy a Starbucks coffee pretty much whenever I feel like it. I don't really care a lot for it. Actually, McDonald's is my favorite coffee. Um, but if I want to go buy a Starbucks, I can buy a Starbucks. But sometimes I just don't buy a Starbucks. And I had somebody ask me why one time. I said, because I can say no. If you say no because you can, then you won't have to say no later. So it's difficult for us to say no to ourselves. In other words, when I go on the mission field nine days and there's no Starbucks, I'm not, I don't have withdrawals. I'm not bothered by it. And so I, had, I learned to say no to some things just so God wouldn't have to say no to me. Because if you be self-correcting and self-governing, God won't have to correct you through himself or through other authority. So sometimes you just need to say no because you can. It's not that I can't have that. I'm not prosperous enough. But it's okay to tell you about, you know, you're not having that today. Yeah. Paul said all things are permissible, but all things are not profitable. So all things are not going to profit you. And there's just things uh, in our life at times that are not going to be profitable to us. But how about this amazing thought? It might not be profitable to somebody else. Yeah. The condition that I, I choose to live in physically will not just cost me profitability in the spirit. It will cost thousands of people profitability in the spirit. If I go, I'm too tired, I don't feel well because all I like to do is eat blueberry Pop-Tarts and drink Diet Coke in a glass with crushed ice in a straw. I can't go on the mission, Phil, because I don't feel good. <laughs> or I spend four out of the, the nine days in my room because I don't feel good because I didn't wean off the sugar that I needed to. In other words, Paul said, I know what my rights are. It, it's not a sin for me to eat a blueberry Pop-Tart and drink a Diet Coke, but I give up rights so that others might have something. Now, maybe those, I'm, I'm just using that as a, as a silly example. Those are two things I can't permit myself to do because I don't know how to do moderation. I'm like the case of Pop-Tarts and the leader, or I don't do in between on pretty much anything. It's just not how I'm made up, but so you need to know that about yourself. So John, Two five, you there? Says, hang on, I want the amplified. His mother said to the servants, "Whatever he says to you, do it." So, if you don't know any other scripture, you want to memorize one. Memorize this one. Whatever he, who's he? Jesus, the Word says to you, do it. So, let me help you shorten your prayer list. See this really big, thick book with thousands and millions of words? Not a single one in here. Do you need to pray about, and may you stop praying about it? You are not to pray about the word of God. You are to pray out the word of God. So I don't get to read Mark 16, 15 and go, I've never read that. It says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I guess I'll pray about going on that missions trip that pastor said comes every year. Why would I pray about the word instead of going, huh, that means me, because this is to me, this Bible, I'm going to go. Father, you said that if I uh, would step out in obedience, you supply all my need. You know that other favorite verse we all love, influence, you'll supply all my need according to your riches and glory, and I'm a tither, I'm a giver, and you said that uh, you would give me wealth for, to build the kingdom in Deuteronomy, so what am I doing? I'm praying out the word. So I see an action that I'm required of obedience. I don't go home and pray about it or worse, the politically correct Christian word. Now I'm just processing it. 
unless your work title is data processor, don't process any more data <laughs> in the word. Um, it is not okay because, let me just say it this way, partial obedience is disobedience. So to tell God, if, if I were to come over here and say, uh, Melanie, and, and Melanie is my daughter, I need you to go clean your room. And she says to me, well, I'll get back to you, Mom. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to think about that. Or, hey, I'll let you know if that fits in my schedule. My eyes are going to cross. And when they cross, you better run. <laughs> it's in my house. And so uh, I didn't raise my boys like that when I would give an instruction. Uh, how many of you, a parent gave you an instruction and said, you know, if you feel feeling up to that, yeah, um, if you, you know, is that okay with you? Yeah, how do you feel about that? You need some time to process that instruction. Yeah. How many of your boss said, you know, I know you may not be feeling this assignment, and it's really okay, you know, that you didn't turn it in on time. So parents, authority, judges, nobody's asking you if it's okay with you, if you want to think on it, and then worse, you want to see how you feel, and then come and share your feelings with us. Yeah, but yet we're, we're doing that with the word. So I'm, I'm helping you because I want you to catch yourself of how we're not positioning ourselves in obedience to the word. So that's why we're not receiving. And we want to say, well, I, I just need to know more. Or uh, Satan's dogging my walk. No, Satan's not dogging your walk. He's over there bothering somebody in Haiti right now. Yeah, and not, if you're not doing anything, he's not worried about you anyway. And so the, the, the position you place yourself in determines the provision you receive. So you want to check your position that you placed yourself in. So if you're doing the think and the pray and the processing, instead of the just quick to hear, instant to obey, the train has either flattened you or you've missed it entirely. And neither of those scenarios is good. You've missed the bus once again. In a year of acceleration, uh, Last year at hitting your stride this year, uh, there isn't a way to kind of make that up. Time moves forward in one direction only, and you're not going to be able to slow it down. And so uh, there are no second chances, but there are fresh starts. But you don't want to be behind constantly. Amen. So he, he said to them, whatever the Lord tells you to do, do it. So if you're doing the word, you will hear from the Holy Ghost, in addition to the word, any additional instruction you need as you're going. Go to the mall. Go to the mall. Yeah, and when you get to the mall, turn left. But see, I'm not going to hear a turn left if all's well, if I'm going the right way. If you're hearing from the Holy Ghost and you're in disobedience to the word, the only thing he's going to say to you is get in line with the words. So if you heard something else, don't call it God. Do not call it God because it is not the voice of God. It's the voice of your comfort, the voice of your relief, the voice of your reason, and the voice of your emotions, but that's not God. The only thing he says to a person in disobedience, please come back into obedience. I've got a plan for your life, and he'll affirm his love for you like the prodigal, but you're not going to hear anything else. Go, oh, God, I just want, I had a, a woman come up in a prayer line many years ago in another state, and this, this was very sad because uh, Pastor and I were ministering to her, and uh, she was saying that she felt like God had something great for her. She didn't know what it was. So we were saying, hey, well, is this your home church? You know, and she, no, where do you go? Well, I just go where the Spirit leads me. Violation number one of the word. God says he placed you in the body as he wills. And as it pleased him, not as it pleased you. And he places you in a body. He doesn't have you be a permanent visitor. 
And uh, well, do you do you serve whenever you go to the church? No, I don't serve. How about you know the nursery? They, well, God, I just feel God has something greater for me. Is literally what she said. Literally, my heart was broken because we didn't live there. I don't have time to fix that. The woman didn't have a pastor, so all I can say is, you need a pastor. It's biblical to to show you why you'll end up at eternity, and God's going to go well. Instead of well done, because nothing actually got done. That's heartbreaking. That we just like, well, we don't like all those things, or that's for everybody else. And I always tell people, I'm still waiting to feel called to be a missionary. So waiting to be called to pretty much everything I'm doing. Um, Isn't it nice, though, that, that we don't have to wait for feelings? And, and our reason to catch up with that. Um, so the Holy Spirit is only going to give you additional instruction uh, as you're going along your course. How many of you have ever tried to steer a parked car? Did you succeed? No. <laughs> At least put the thing in neutral. And so if you're moving, that's how God directs your course. But what we've come in America is we've, we've compared God to American democracy. And we've said, God, you need to be democratic. We need to have a discussion. We need to have a negotiation. I want to, this is group therapy. We want to discuss how we feel. Um, I remember my boss one time asking me to do a project uh, that was very, very hard for me. Um, And he specifically asked me, he was a former vice president of Sprint and bought this company. I worked for him. He specifically asked me because it was against all of my abilities and talents. It was the polar opposite of me. And he wanted to stretch me. And I knew that's what he was doing. But it was horrible. I worked very hard day and night on this project, and this was his big ask of me. I want you to do the next staff meeting, and I want you to make it fun. (laughs) And so he gave me this example, because he was very much my personality. He said, I came in and did my staff meeting, and I had a red clown nose on. I'm like, you took the one thing I maybe could have used. Yeah. (sighs) And so he's like, you need to do something like that. So I literally tortured myself. You know, I worked, I Googled, I researched. Everybody else was dancing on the bar on Friday night, but I'm at home laboring, you know, into the midnight hours the next day. So all week, finally, I mean, I worked extremely hard. Not at work on the clock. I was expected to do this project. And I came up with... uh, some stuff to do, finally. And so I did it. It probably wasn't great, but literally was my very, very, very best. And I thought, okay, good. Made it through that. I did whatever. So he's like, do it again next month. Oh my gosh. He's going to let me off the hook. He's going to realize that this is okay. I did what you said. But see, the thought never crossed my mind, what I hear out of other people's mouth. Hey, you got that project ready? No, I didn't get to that. Or I try, it wasn't good. That's not acceptable when the person's signing your paycheck. Or if your mom said, clean your room, and she comes back an hour later and it's not done. Um, but the reason that things don't follow our command is because we let ourselves off the hook all the time. The reason children don't follow parents' commands is because they don't follow through with them. So when I would ask my boys to do something, we didn't have a discussion or negotiation. It wasn't ever a problem. I'd never come back and find uh, out it wasn't done. If anything happened one time, we created a memory, a lifetime memory. And so it wasn't ever repeated. They come up with, came up with new things, and each time I accommodated them with a lifetime memory. And, and so we, we were able to move through life at a, at a good pace. But we've... Uh, accommodated ourselves and opted out of so many things and we've applied that to God 
And that's the main reason that we're not having the provision in our lives that we need. We need to check up on the position that we've placed ourselves in because he's not going to make you do anything. Because he gave you a gift of free will he's never going to take back for you. So are some things going to be hard? Sure. But they're good for you and they're to stretch you. He knows what he's doing. So you don't need to feel warm fuzzies about everything. And you don't need to go, well, I don't know how, oh, I don't know how to do that. So it must not be God. Congratulations. He said, without him, you can do nothing. <laughs> and without him, you are nothing. So if you were expecting any different result, then you would get the glory. So you're not going to be able to do what God asked you to do without him. You're not going to be smart enough. You're not going to be strong enough. You're not going to have enough faith because your part was to just say, okay, God, and he was going to bring the supply. He was going to bring his word to grow your faith. He was going to bring the grace, which means the ability to do it. You weren't supposed to have the ability because if you had the ability, you'd need no grace. And you were saved by faith through grace. Notice the wording. God is big on semantics. By faith through grace. Through means I'm moving. So it's not a by grace. I'm just going to sit here in my recliner and be saved and not do anything. It was by faith and through grace. So you had to go forward. So when pastor says the direction is always forward, that means you're moving. At no point are we stopping or we standing still. So your position of obedience to the word. So if you're going to receive a miracle, you're going to receive provision. Are you going to be a part of it? Can you think of any miracle in the scripture that man did not have to follow an instruction first. When Moses came up to the Red Sea, had he ever heard of a sea being parted? Had he ever seen the ocean parted? He didn't even know what God was going to tell him. He's standing at the water, all of Israel's behind him, and then the Egyptian army's breathing down the back of their neck. He doesn't know what to do. He needs an instruction. So God says, raise up your hands and your staff and hold it out over the water. Now Moses could have done what most of us do. Is that me or is it God? I, 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 have, I, have I seen that before? Have I heard that before? I should stop and ask my board if anybody's ever experienced or ever not. No, we just did it. Thank God. And the, and the water's part. Now we're reading about that, but Moses had nothing to read. In fact, he's the one that wrote the first five books of the Bible. He wasn't there. He wrote them after they happened. And so he has to hold up his hand. So in the miracle parting, did God part the water while Moses was standing there? Moses went first. God's a gentleman. You first, always. So when Elijah went to the widow woman and he said, what do you got? Got nothing. Got this little stick here. Got this little meal. What did he say? Give me a meal first. And so then she gave it to him. And then what he say, said to her after they ate, he, told, he gave her an instruction. What did he give her the instruction? Who knows the story? Go and borrow jars from every person in the village. So she goes out and she gets the jars. And and the cruise of oil that she had used to feed him first, she kept pouring from. And And three years later, she says, there's no more jars. So the oil stops flowing. But if she were smart like you, she would have got on the donkey and ridden to the next village. Would the oil have stopped flowing if she'd have gotten more jars? No. 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 So man starts the miracle 
but you also stop the miracle. When you're like, I'm tired, it hasn't happened yet, I don't know how long I have to believe, until. So God is not going to start a miracle without your participation. He also cannot continue it without your participation. So God, it's not a sole proprietorship. It's a partnership. You and God, beginning to end. You and God. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So there's nothing going to happen without your full, awake participation at all times. Yes, is that work? Yes. And so if it feels like work, congratulations. You're doing it right. You're like, that's supposed to feel like work. Who says? I have scripture for the fact that it's spelled W-O-R-K. Yeah. <coughs> How about the servants at the wedding? What if they said, we just filled those water pots up and they drank them all. We're really tired. And besides that, we're off the clock. And if you want us to stay, we'll have to have time and a half. And this is a holiday, so maybe that's triple time. And we can't do that. We need to go find our manager, supervisor. Mary said, whatever he tells you, do it. She didn't know what he's going to tell them. So then they had to drag their little bucket to who, who knows where the well was. I mean, it's six jars that held, held 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Six of them that were completely empty. They had to traipse. I bet they had a lot of time to be awed by their thoughts and feelings. <laughs> but they kept going. It says, and they filled them to the brim. So they didn't go, ah, I can see the water. That's good. That's good enough. See, the motto of the excellent never says it's good enough. And so they, he said, fill it to the brim. So they filled it to the brim where it's about to pour over. And then that miracle happened. So would that miracle have happened without those men's participation? Absolutely not. How about the b- boy with the five loaves and the two fish? Would those people have been fed if he did not follow the instruction of, can I have your lunch? Yeah. He could have said, no way, Jose. I don't have to share. And would they have gotten fed? So we don't think about that. We think, well, God's God. He can do anything. Where's your scripture for that? He cannot override his own authority in the earth that he said he needed a man to partner with. So if he did not have, he said, first, every instance you see God saying, I need something from you first. Well, even if you think you don't have anything, you're not, your thinking's not in line with the word. You have something. I've given, you, I've given every person something. You've got to give it to him first. So man had to participate in that. How about um, Naaman? Do you have to participate in his miracle? He had to dip seven times. Did Naaman uh, feel like doing that? Yeah. Not so much in, in, in the dirty river. Um, did the Israelites have to shout the walls of Jericho? You know, an even bigger miracle, they had to be quiet for six days. (laughs) Um, So when God's helping you participate in your miracle, that was kind of a signal to you. There were things you needed to zip, zip it. In other words, he did not permit them to walk around and go, yeah, I don't know why we're doing this. Do you? No, I really don't know why. Joshua said that, but he never really told us why. I wonder why. You know, I wonder if Joshua's not hearing from God. What if he hadn't been fasted and praying enough? You know, sometimes a pastor, he's kind of carnal, and he'd always hear from God. And so, what well, do you think this is the right method? They would have been murmuring and complaining and questioning, and no miracle would have happened. So sometimes you have to shut your mouth to the wrong things, but some Christians will stop there. And that's commendable to shut your mouth to the wrong things, but then Satan still got you because you didn't open your mouth to the right thing. So the wall of Jericho is shut your mouth to the wrong thing, meditate on God, do as I tell you to do, and then when I tell you to open your mouth and shout. So you cannot have walls come down with a shout when you were speaking for six days of doubt and unbelief. 
six days of complaining, doubt, and unbelief, and then a shout of victory, and we come in here on Sunday, and we do the same thing. We complained and murmured and whined and had our mouth open to the wrong things or not open at all, and we come in here and we shout victory on Sunday, and we feel better, but then we're mad on Monday because it didn't actually work. Because one day of shouting does not bring walls down. But we can change that, right? Don't get in a rut about what you think, uh, how it should happen or when it should happen or through whom it should happen for, because you'll miss it. Um, Because God says he's doing a new thing. (laughs) He's not going to accommodate your box. He's just not. In fact, he'll do the opposite because he doesn't want you to, to put him in a box. Um, so if God says go on missions, volunteer, go to all night prayer, give a hundred dollars in the offering, if it's in the word, do it. If you're not sure if it's in the word, ask your pastor, not your Facebook buddy. You always want to ask somebody about something that knows more than you. If I want to know how to boil water, I'm not going to ask somebody that doesn't know how. I'm going to ask somebody that might, might need to Google Martha Stewart. She knows how to boil water and a few other things. Yeah, we want to, we want to reach up to somebody that, that knows how, uh, If I want to know how to invest my money, I'm not going to get on Facebook and take a poll. I'm going to call my dad. So if you need to know about how to do anything, ask somebody that's succeeding in it. So your pastor is succeeding in the word, so you want to ask him if you're not sure if it's in the word. But if it's in the word, you don't need to pray about it. Just do it. Isn't that awesome? That's why it's called the working of miracles, not the appearing of miracles or the appearing of provision because there's work to do on it. And so when I teach the the ministry offices class, I specifically make sure the students understand singular and plural. It's not in there just because somebody felt like putting an S or not. It's the gift of faith, singular, the working of miracles, plural. It's It's there for a reason. Amen? So I, w- I would say it to you like this. God won't do it unless you say it. Yeah. And if it hasn't manifested yet, and this is what one of the prophecies, but it's also scripture, ask and receive, when there's ask big, that your joy would be full. Your joy's not full until something manifests, is it? So we're going to have joy in faith. Thank you, Lord, that, you know, whatever I've gotten, the car I needed or the job I needed or the home I've needed, we rejoice in faith before we receive it. But my joy is not full until I'm driving in the car, yours. Right. So you were to ask to receive that your joy might be full. That means it's going to manifest. So you, you, you're going to keep on saying, not keep on asking. You are going to keep on confessing. Once we ask, then we say, thank you, Lord, right? Thank you, Daddy, because he said he's going to do it. He said, I wish above all things that you prosper and you be in health as your soul prospers. That's your mind. That's renewing your mind. So uh, if miracles call for daily action and you're, you're believing for extraordinary things, are you going to have to have extraordinary actions? Yes. Are you going to have to have extraordinary sayings? Are you going to have to think in a way that is extraordinary to the ordinary you thought last year? Yeah, so we can't sit here and, well, we're going to believe for extraordinary things and do the same or less than you did last year. So you're going to have to move into, and that's what one thing that Pastor Todd, how many of you are here for his, his message a few weeks ago? You're, going to, you're here at church to learn to do better so you can learn to be better. And so that we, ha- we have a participation in this. So all these examples in the Word are for us to know how to obey, Yes. Okay, so your position of obedience to the Holy Spirit as you're doing the word. Uh, I'm reminded of a, that's point number two, your position uh, to the Holy Spirit as you're doing the word. Is a pastor that uh, he got a call from a family 
And uh, they asked him to come pray for their teenager who had been in a car wreck, and this teenager was uh, critical. And when he was in the room, uh, the Lord said, I want you to command him to raise up. And this is probably 20 years ago, this pastor's telling the story. And he said he didn't do it. And he left the room. The, the boy died, and he did the funeral. And when he was doing the funeral, he repented the Lord. He didn't do what the Lord asked him to do. And 20 years later, he's recounting this story. And he said, since that time, it had such a profound impact on him, his disobedience, that he never missed that opportunity again. He said to see that family have to go through that because he simply did not say. And people are like, well, what if he still didn't raise up? The results are not your responsibility. And for us to touch in our thought life the what if is very dangerous because it's the height of rebellion. You are touching God's job. So if I go overseas and I tell someone uh, to get out of a wheelchair and they get up and this person to get up and they don't, I have to walk away with no thoughts or feelings attached. It's not my jurisdiction of authority results. And then people say, well, that's why I don't go soul winning because I don't really know if they got saved in their heart. That's playing God. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's also me to play God say, I don't think I have enough faith. God didn't ask me to pray for somebody if I had enough faith. He just asked me to do it. He said, the believer, you believe in Jesus, that you're going to heaven? That person would lay hands on the sick and they recover. If they don't recover, you did your part. God is, any attempt to obey God is not going to go unrewarded. What's in, what you're rewarded for is your obedience in life, not the end result in somebody else's life. Why is, is not something you can touch in your thought life. You keep touching that why and it'll bury you. It's, it's, it's what I call the nunya clause. None of your business. Yeah. It, it's our job to do what God asks us to do. It, he, he's responsible for the results between him and that person. And I don't have to touch it in my thought life. I don't have to figure it out, I have to answer it. And if anybody asks me a question, I don't have to have the answer for them either. Yeah. Is the word enough? Is the word always anointed? Is the word always right? So if you don't get an additional instruction from the Holy Ghost, are you on the right path? Just keep doing, doing the word. Don't be running around looking for a word when you have the word. If the Lord needs to give you an a word, it's because uh, he, he's adjusting your course as you're moving along at a rapid pace with, with the word of God. He's, he's steering the car. He's helping you go a little quicker or avoid that. But we've, we're in a society that the word correction has become a four-letter word. When it's a simple course correction, like the airline tower call on the pilot and say, you need to correct your course one degree north. What do you, who do you think you are telling me, you know, how to correct my course? I'm the pilot. You didn't go to pilot school. You just sit up there in the tower and drink coffee all day. Everything's fine. I've checked it. One degree will go from New York to LA in three hours. Yeah, well, I thought you were going to New York. Well, I am. Well, you're going to end up in L.A. if you don't correct your course. Like, what skin is it off the air traffic control knows? It's like your whole uh, 293 passengers, they're going to kind of be bothered by the fact that you couldn't have a course correction. So when your parents or when authority or boss or when spiritual authority or God tries to correct you, you should hug that person and embrace them and say, thank you for helping my form because you are giving me a course correction. The person who's ahead of you on the course, uh, when Mel 
telling our running the half marathon, uh, she was way ahead of me. And some people, uh, I'm going down and they're coming back already. They've already been. I'm like, hey, it's okay. They lived. They came back. It was pretty good. In other words, they've already been there. And so they can instruct me on the course. Hey, there's a water station up there. This is the last water station. They would relay information back. So someone is correcting you that's ahead of you. That means authority. Hug them instead of being like, Two, and rebellion. Well, you just can't be told. Right. You can't even be told by God and his word. So be a person who is not only seeks self-correction from the word, but hugs people that care enough to correct them. Because if you keep rebelling against people that correct you, no one will be bothered by you. And a council people will say, my boss is always correcting me and everything. I said, uh, that is their desire to keep you around. The moment you become incorrectable, you make it difficult for them to correct you, they'll go back to their desk where there's 25 other applications to replace you because you're difficult to correct. The fact that they're correcting you proves that they have some faith in your ability to be a good team member of this company. So they're adjusting you and saying, hey, that was a good job, or you need to do it this way, you need it that way. Um, when you don't hear and anything, especially correction, expect the pink slip soon because they don't, they don't need to be bothered with it. And so you don't want God, you don't want authority. You don't want to be difficult to be with, difficult to lead because then you're just not going to be bothered with you. When the coach can't coach you, where, where do you sit? You sit on the bench because you're difficult. So we, we can, we can be easy to lead. We can be good hearers. Amen. Amen. Uh, Hebrews ten thirty five. So your provision, your outpouring this year is going to be proportionate to your effort, is it not? And some people will say, well, I feel tired. Let me just tell you, tired is obligatory. Tired is mandatory. You will feel tired every day till Jesus comes. Here's your choice. Tired because you did right or tired because you didn't do right. The choice is not to be tired I, if I take a day off, which is rare, and I work hard at taking a day off, I'm t- anybody ever tired of sitting around all day? Yeah. I'm like, you might be refreshed mentally, but I'm still just as tired as if I worked all day. Um, and so we can work hard all day and, and paint the walls and move the house, and we're tired, but it's a good tired because we were productive. So you can either be tired because you were negative and you were doubtful and you were complaining and you were a slacker and you had no integrity, or you can be tired because you did good. But you're going to be tired. So just choose your kind of tired. But stop trying to get out of tired. It just doesn't exist in a, in a time of acceleration that the people in the Bible said, man, we saw some of that and we wished we were a part of it. Yeah, like I said, just get a new pair of running shoes. Your soles are worn out. Yeah. So you're going to feel tired. <laughs> Every day, act on the word. So Hebrews 10, 25, you there? 35. Find Hebrews. You guys okay? Hang on. Sugar be back tonight. Sugar's coming. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. So does your faith, does your courage, does your confidence, your longevity carry a reward? Don't fling it away, like in the middle of, in fact, if you've, if you've, you've been going, you know, I've been believing God for years, you're going to throw all that away? <laughs> 
So generally, there's four phases of a storm in the Bible with the house. You know, the rains, then it was beat on and the winds blew. The fourth phase of the storm is the worst, but that means it's the last one. And, and most people don't even make it that far. But if you even think you're in the worst fourth phase of the storm, you did all that work and now you're going to throw it away? Did men of old die in faith? Yeah. And it was counted to them as righteousness. So people are like, well, I, you know, I didn't get, they didn't get their healing. They died. Well, die in church. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to move your body then. We'll just proceed with the uh, funeral. But the, the men of old died in faith. And so, but take this, this comfort from the scripture. Uh, Moses prayed a prayer that said, God, show me your glory. Remember that prayer? And then he said, God says, but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, Moses, and I'll let you see my back my backside. That was not an answer to Moses's prayer. He said, I'll pass in front of you and you can see everything. And what that translates in the Hebrew, he said, Moses, get in the rock. I'm going to walk by you and I'm going to let you see everything behind me. And so what God was showing Moses was the five books of the Pentateuch. He's showing everything in history that God had done from the creation of man that Moses was going to write down. So that was some glory, wasn't it? For Moses to be able to see everything he had not lived through because he penned the first five books. Well, he wasn't there. So that's what God was showing him on the mountain. But 1,500 years fast forward was Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Elijah. Yeah. And so when Jesus was transfigured, the glory came from the inside of his spirit man on the outside of his body. And so 1500 years later, Moses got the prayer answered. He saw God's glory. So anything you prayed for or believed for, is it going to not be answered? Stop living as if your earth life is the only life you have. There is a thousand-year millennial reign. There are seven years if you believe in the rapture because you've got to go by faith. Uh, and then we have eternity, ages to come. Time is measured in something called ages to come. It's one life. You're the same person. You're taking all of your soul with your spirit. All your memories, all your feelings is going with you intact. If you're not sure about that, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, his, his brain his organ was in the casket. But every memory he had, your brain is an organ. It's not your mind. He took all that with him. He felt, he thought, he had all his memories. All that's going with you. So it's still you. It's just one life. You're going to get a body that's recognizable, only it's not deteriorating. And it can go at the speed of thought through matter. Cool beans, huh? Forget Star Trek. Yeah. So your position of doing the word daily with patience and endurance until. So you can't do the miracle anyway, can you? If you could provide all your needs, would you have already done it? Yeah, yeah so you'd have nothing to believe God for, right? So God does not ask you to do that part. He's uh, asked you to do your part, and God's uh, asked you to believe him for his. Let me show you two examples of where man uh, started the miracle and then stopped the miracle. The Israelites left Egypt. Two million people, not one person sick or feeble. These are slave bodies, 400 years in slavery, that their owners do not care how much they beat on their flesh and bones. Slave bodies would not be healthy bodies, and they certainly wouldn't be able to walk through the desert carrying all their stuff. So their bodies were transformed when they came out of Egypt in a way that we're not really imagining correctly. And then they get a few days into uh, going to the promised land, and what happens? Stop. Yeah. They started complaining and murmuring and doubting. Did they stop their miracle? Yeah. Did they all have to die in the desert? Everybody at a certain age younger. So they participated in their own deliverance with their miracle by believing God. And days later, through doubt and unbelief, stopped it. 
but that was of their own decision. Nothing had happened. So they had seen the water part. They took all of the wealth of the, the largest nation of the world. They took every bit of it with them. So they had money. So we think money will answer, you know, all my problems. No, it doesn't because they had all that and they didn't have any more faith. So they stopped it. Peter, when he took the Lord's instruction of come to me, and so he gets out and he walks on water, what happens? He starts to doubt. In other words, his life moved in the direction of his dominant thought. His dominant thought became about Peter, of what Peter can't do. Peter shouldn't be walking on water. Peter doesn't walk on water. We can't walk on water. When Jesus is walking on the water right in front of him and he said, come to me, and he was walking on the water. So we have at every moment of the day, we can either, Jesus, what you said is true, no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, or we can just go, what I see and what I feel I choose to believe is more real. So God, I'm just going to complain. I'm going to murmur. I'm going to lay on the floor and cry and, and pitch a fit because it hasn't happened what I've asked you for yet. And then it will stop, right? Until you decide that you want to reinitiate your participation in that. Say, I'm thrilled about 2019. The position of obedience to the word and the Holy Spirit and doing what you need to do every day. One, two, three, gets you your destiny, does it not? Let me tell you a story, and we'll close with this. Um, It was on the mission field, and some of you have heard this story before, but it bears repeating. And I had a, had a watch that I'd only ever had one watch, and it was when I was uh, an adult. I think I was... 30-ish, 29, 30-ish, before I had my first watch. And so it was my first mission trip to Panama, and we were in the airport, and they had a watch, particular watch I liked. And it was not expensive. It was a lot of money to me at this time, but it wouldn't be anything to any of you sitting here today. Um, but it was a little bit less because you didn't get charged. the, the ta- It was duty-free. So uh, hubby had bought me this watch, and I wore it to this first country, and actually that watch went through my entire cosmetology career and every missions trip since. So it was what I call my missions watch. It wasn't fancy. It didn't mean anything to Anyway, and I'm not sentimental about things whatsoever. If I had a slight sentiment, it just might have been about this watch. I don't know why, because time is an important subject to me. Uh, I study much on it, and so this watch kind of was marking, you know, the forward momentum of doing missions. So it just meant things to me personally. And I was, uh, had gone in for a scouting trip, and this time Dr. Jack was with me. He's almost never with me on the pre-scouting trips into uh, Honduras, and this was three years ago, I think. And we were getting ready to fly out. We had a church to speak at on a Sunday morning on our way to the airport. So we had, we were going to the church and joining in the service for a portion. They'd already started. We knew they would be finishing. Without us, we were just coming for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour for pastor to speak and then leave. And this church had uh, a roof on it. It was a very nice church, but it was also somewhat open air, but it was still a very nice, luxurious church for that location of the country. And it had a, a concrete floor and chairs, and it was very large. So when we pulled up, the church was full, and the, the, it, was probably, it was definitely a bigger building than this. But the band, you know, went the whole platform. The band was very good. They had a lot of instruments, and they were very technically good. And the music was going, and I stepped up on the, the foundation from the dirt parking lot uh, to the church, and I felt, uh, all I can describe is I felt something that you would call evil. And I'm not touchy-feely. That's Dr. Jack, not me. So I don't feel a lot of things in the spirit. I don't see a lot of things. But I felt, I did not, I knew what I was feeling. It wasn't God, but I didn't know what it was and why I was feeling that. 
So my job at that time when I'm with him is to take the phone and take pictures and do things. And of course, I did not do my job. Totally bombed on that. I was distracted. So we had, he was there, the interpreter. And so we're standing and it's very loud. If you've ever been overseas and you're not really going to have a conversation with anybody. So I am just uh, very distracted looking for in my eyes spiritually. I'm looking physically, but I'm looking with my spirit, man. What is that feeling? Where is it coming from? You know, do I need to pray? What do I need to do? I wasn't afraid. It was just struck me as so strong. So I thought, I'm going to look for the pastor because I'm going to look for the spiritual authority. So I located the man I, I could tell was the pastor. And then his wife was not with him. I said, is this like a kind of what you call a Jezebel thing, for a lack of a term. And that doesn't mean that there's something improper with women. It just means that particular spirit is causing a division. I knew there was some serious division between the pastor and his wife, but I didn't know what. And so I finally located her. She was a couple sections over. I thought, well, that's interesting. But I could tell it was her because people would ask her a question, and you could tell she was the one making the decisions. Well, I noticed that she was a very petite person, she was shorter and she was uh, slender than me. So she was probably five feet, you know, 98 pounds, very tiny woman. And so the whole time I'm experiencing this, I'm looking at things and people and I'm just looking into my spirit, man, like, what is this? And um, I elbowed my interpreter and just said, you feel anything? Because, you know, when you're not a touchy-feely person, you're thinking, I'm just tired, I'm irritable, I want to go home, you know. I do not look for devils behind bushes, not any bush, ever. They're always running for me anyway, so I pay them no mind. And, um, yeah, until they're two, and they pitch a fit, and then you're like, enough. And uh, so she's like, no. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to ask Dr. Jack because I'm not going to distract him. He's going to go preach and then come back. So I forgot to take pictures and everything. So the service, I know, is almost time. It's going on, but we're going to have to go. So I, the Lord said, give your watch to the pastor's wife. And so I didn't question God asking me to give, but I paused, and I was having this conversation with God. Okay, Lord, this is my missions watch. Kind of like, and that means I'm not taking it. This is it for the missions. I'm not taking it to the next country. So get over your sentimentality or whatever. And I also knew that I needed to lay hands on. I knew enough of that to release the anointing. And I did not know what a pro- what problem was going on or what she even needed. But I thought I'm gonna have to walk up there. I don't speak enough Spanish. I can't take my interpreter. We'd be yelling and still probably not heard. So I'm gonna have to try to tell her in enough words. You know. I love you, see ya, you know, this this is a gift for you. So I uh, took my watch off, and of course I'm waiting for the right moment, and you're all nervous, and you're standing there. And I, wa- I finally make my way up to her. She's several rows in front of me. And uh, she's got, I take her, you know, hand and I kind of introduce myself briefly and try to make a few words in Spanish that she could understand who I was. And I put my watch on her wrist, and then I tried to shut it, and it wouldn't shut Now, this woman has a smaller wrist than me, and my watch will not shut. Her wrist was very thick. It was very, what you might call, swollen. And so I barely kind of squeezed it on. I didn't want to hurt her, and I walk away. I'm thinking, oh, dear God, you know. And so I totally miss you, God. The watch didn't even fit her. I don't know if she even understood me. So all the way back to the airport, I'm sitting in the back seat of the car, just in my own thoughts, being perplexed, and, and I just reminded myself, so you have to remind yourself, Lord, any attempt to obey you does not go unrewarded. So it's in the word. It's not wrong to do. Let's say I concocted the whole thing and it wasn't God. What does that matter? 
Okay, I gave a gift. I'm going to reap what I sow. So in other words, it's a win-win no matter what. And I didn't expect to ever see this person again. And so we were in the country with the, with the team, but uh, that church was in a different city. And so we have a pastor's dinner that we invite all the pastors uh, in the Crusade City to come with us, and we feed them. We pay for the dinner. The team feeds them. It's one of our favorite activities. And pastor and I go around to every table with our interpreter, and we speak to everybody. And this can be 200 people. And we get to their table, and they, this couple stops us and says through our interpreter, do you remember us? And for a minute, I did not recognize them because they looked so different, both of them, than they did that day, the, the pastor and his wife. And she had my watch on her wrist. And she said, you remember when you gave me your watch? I'm like, yep, of course. And uh, she said, well, I had been given a death sentence by the doctor. I only had four months to live. And she said, when you put your watch on my wrist, I was healed. I've never taken it off and I'm healed. And I didn't recognize them because they were literally glowing. <laughs> Their countenance, her countenance was so different. Here was a person dying that was bloated and swollen. That's already death coming on their body who's now wearing that watch. And so, but that was one of the few times in my lifetime, I've had thousands of acts, just like you have obedience that you never know the outcome of that the Lord let me see the outcome of that to learn not to question him. And so I, I tell you that, not to, to say that's anything special or great that I did, but don't question even the smallest thing that you, and do this anymore this year, is that me or God? Is it in the word? Okay, if it's not a sin, if it's giving, doing anything, then count it as God. Because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan will never give you an instruction to do or say anything good for anybody. And so there's only two people. That's what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make. There isn't an in-between. There isn't a you unless you're a humanist and you're your own God. So every instruction to me is a, a thought from the enemy or a thought from God. So if it's good, it's God. So I don't have to ask the question anymore, is it me or is it God? I'm trying to help some of you be in 2019 and just stop asking the question. Is it good? Is it in the word? Then it's God and do it. If it's to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's not in the word, then don't do it. Take you out of the equation. There's only God and there's only Satan. And whichever one you partner with is the direction your life's going to go in. Does that make it simpler for you? So the, the position that you place yourself in of obedience toward in the spirit is going to determine how much of that provision of all those prophecies, see, God desires that you would receive all of it, but his desire will not manifest without your participation. Amen. The word is our answer. Um, and that's why it's so important that the body of Christ return to church and, and have a pastor. You need a pastor because your answer's in, in the word. Even if pastor were preaching a marriage seminar and you needed finances, the Holy Ghost would bring your answer in that service. We don't have to pick and choose because the book of Acts says um, they heard them speak in their own language. It doesn't say they spoke. It says they spoke in other tongues and they heard them. So what someone says and what I hear are two different things. So if I'm faithful to come to church and pastor's talking about marriage, but I heard a financial answer, that's because the Holy Ghost is the interpreter and the translator. I will always hear what I need when I show up, but I won't hear what I need when I don't show up. Yeah, the word's our answer, and our answer comes from the pulpit. Say, I'm getting my miracle in 2019. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know that I need a miracle. A miracle is, a, is an intervention in the course of nature. <laughs> if the natural course in any area of your life is not going the way that God wants it to, then you, you qualify for a miracle. Amen. 
Yeah, it's an intervention in the course of nature on the track that your life has been on. So I would say all of us qualify for a miracle. It doesn't mean I have to not have an arm and, and have an arm grow out. You need an intervention in the course of nature that your life has taken to adjust it back to God's word. Amen. So stand and let's pray this prayer together. Close your eyes and you can repeat after me. Father, thank you for your word. I say yes and amen to it. I agree and I respond. I commit myself to this purpose that whatever you say to me, I will do it. I will keep doing it and keep doing it every day in faith, in patience. I thank you for the miracles and the great blessings that will come from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.